Marshall, Will, and Holly on a routine expedition. Met the greatest earthquake ever known. High on the rapids, they struck their tiny raft. Hello and welcome back to Enter the Asylum, a podcast where two brothers uh, try and watch movies that, you know, are there and they're real and they, they exist, but uh, you don't really want to watch them ever and they kind of just sit there on, you know, any sort of streaming service site. It's just kind of clutter. And that's the, that's, that's the podcast, really. We just watch those ones. We watch filler. Like- <laughs> Peer streaming filler. And also, in, in this case, we watch a film that teaches us that Nazis, they're not all that bad. Yeah, which is, you know, um, a really important message, I'm sure, for the current... Uh, uh, <laughs> I can't even continue this joke because it's all... Do you have something to say about this? They might not actually be Nazis, but the movie leaves that kind of uncertain. Which is, you know, it's a really great thing to do, I think. <laughs> when you're writing a flick about that involves Nazis is to make them vaguely Nazis. Or maybe not. It's 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 uncertain. There's that whole genre of I what, I'm not with Nazi exploitation, what do you even call it? When it's like Nazi zombies from the moon yeah. or whatever, I right? Nazi exploitation, yeah, yeah. It's like it's like Wolfenstein and Nazi zombies and although Wolfenstein actually has some like genuine artistic, like creative decisions behind it, so but uh, but yes, definitely the Nazi zombie film. Um, what's uh, a, another good example? I'm sure there's a million examples. I'm sure oh, you well, could say Nazi blank, and it'll probably be a film. Everything that's on the History Channel. <laughs> that includes I mean, ancient aliens. They, they called it. I mean, it was called. They, they start calling it the Hitler Channel for a reason, you know. Anyway, what what's the movie that we're talking about? Uh, the Land That Time Forgot, which is based uh, based off the novel by uh, Edgar Rice Burroughs from World War One, yeah. like the nineteen tens. Quotation marks there, bro, bro. That movie was pretty based, though. I gotta say, was an actual movie. Like, I, and it turns out I've actually seen it. It was it was made into a movie, like a real movie, in the nineteen seventies. And um, Mystery Science Theater actually did it for the the Netflix reboot. Um, like, I think the first season of mm. it. Um, it's like a 70s film with stop motion dinosaurs. And um, it more closely follows the plot of the book. Which um, isn't saying too much, considering this movie doesn't. It's, at yeah. All. <laughs> Just yeah, it's yeah. full stop. Um, and I've seen that just by virtue of watching mystery science theater. Um, but um, yeah, it's a, it's kind of a, it's a, it's a, I mean, it, for a seventies flick, it seems like it's has had a reasonable budget. Like obviously the, it looks very dated, but it seems competent, you know, like it, it's, you know, it's, it's got like the props and the anime, uh, the stop motion and uh, animation and, uh, all that stuff and their real sets and everything so um you know it seems like a you know fairly you know 
uh, well executed, you know, mid budget, uh, you know, film. Um, this, on the other hand, is a uh, extremely cheap. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, they, they, at least they have like um, they went somewhere. It doesn't take place in like L.A. off the corner, hiding behind you know like a couple rocks, which is nice. Somewhere in a, like yeah, like either in the woods or behind an abandoned warehouse. They film something. on a beach, which is nice. Yeah, it's a nice <laughs> scenery. I will say this: not a good film. But this might be among the more competent Asylum productions. At least among, I think, some of the actors, at the very least. Some of the actors and um, some of the story decisions. Like, uh, yeah. uh, like there's, a, there's a couple things. One is that, like, there were various, there were a few points during this movie where I did the smug thing of, like, <laughs> you know, like, that. and then the movie actually addressed my criticism mm-hmm. in, like, the next scene, and I was like, oh, Oh, okay. Well, all right. Got me there. Um, So this is an error. Other thing is this movie had far fewer kills than a typical asylum film of this genre. Like, like, yeah, there's like maybe three or four, I think total. Yeah. Like normally like two thirds of the cast is cannon fodder in an asylum film. In this one, it's like, no, no, no. Like each person actually has a role and there is a little bit of cannon fodder. Like you said, there's like three or four characters. But all in all, not too bad on that front, you know. So this is also another uh, C. Thomas Howell director directed is, film. What is with this guy? Um, to, to remind people, he directed The Day the Earth Stopped and War of the Worlds 2, The Next Wave, and was an actor in the first War of the Worlds movie as well by The Asylum. Uh, the Asylum, to be clear. Not yeah, yeah. <laughs> he wishes, I'm sure. Um, this guy is, this is, this man is strange though, huh? He's like a, he's prolific, prolific, whatever, prolific, thank you. Um, he's in 219, he has 219 credits in IMDb, right? So. Uh, His, his casting decisions of himself are very strange to me because in each of the films he makes, he casts himself as a sort of like, weedy like he's not the hero of the films ever really you know like he's sort of hero adjacent um he's never like the actual heroic figure in his own movies and this is really obvious in in world war of the worlds 2 where it's like the other leading actor winds up being the guy who saves his son mm-hmm. like, C, like like C. thomas howell's character's son um and in this one it's like but at least in, in those earlier movies he at least sort of cast himself as like the scientific intellectual character he doesn't even do that in this one that yeah, what's weird about his character in this it. movie too and we'll get into it obviously is the as we discuss more about the film, is that like he doesn't really do anything at all this whole film until he's, the very end. I didn't even realize he was the main character until the movie ended, and I was like, "Oh, oh, right, he's I, here." I guess he was the main character of the movie. It, it's very weird. Yeah, he's like he he never he 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 is always reacting to situations. He is never the the one in charge. He is never the one. He he's the one everyone blames because I guess the trip was his idea, but like. Beyond that, like, he's not the one in charge, he's not the strongest guy, he's not the ideas guy, um, but at the end, he's given this sort of significant role, and it's like, 
it's very strange that he does this to himself in his own movie. It's right. it's very odd. Uh, and then, of course, this film was released in 2009 to capitalize off Land of the Lost, which was the TV, the movie remake reboot parody of Land of the Lost, the 74 TV series. Mm-hmm. The one with Will Ferrell, yeah. Yeah. Um, that film uh, did horribly in the box office, I just discovered. Really? <laughs> yeah, a budget of 100 million and then box office is 68 million. So Wow. Yeah. Was that just US or to, or, or worldwide? Um uh, I assume it was worldwide, but I don't Ooh. know Wikipedia. Oh, that's bad. It, yeah. We had lots of advertising. I remember seeing a lot of trailers for that film. 68 million like I would I would understand 68 million for just US gross and that would still be pretty bad by movie standards. It was 69 but, worldwide, yeah. Wow. Oh, <laughs> confirmed. That's really bad. Yeah, it's pretty grim. Um, that's really bad for a film of, from that era, like of that budget. And, you think and, Will Ferrell would carry it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's pretty grim. I didn't watch it in a movie theater, but I no. mean, I, I watched it. When I was, I don't know. I was pretty young. I thought it was funny enough, but I also had child, <laughs> okay, dumb child yeah. brain. Like, it, I mean, compared to a lot of the others, like shit that Will Ferrell like right. put out. Right? <laughs> Fine, you know it was like it would have been nicer if like those like um those movies that were uh remakes of 70s tv shows actually did a little bit more like weren't so harsh on the tv shows right because, like there were there was like that wave of them through the 90s and the 2000s where it's like like charlie's angels and the italian job and well the italian job i think they they kind of tried to do a fast and furious thing with that one but uh but charlie's angels is a great example all those ones that are based off hanna barbera cartoons mm-hmm. uh, speaking of which is this something i this is this is weirdly off topic but i want to talk about this because i find find it bizarre scooby-doo <laughs> no no okay so there was a hanna barbera show called valley of the dinosaurs which aired the same day as the first land the lost episode and they share the exact same basic plot structure as in a family of people are kayaking slash rafting down a river and then suddenly they get caught in a whirlpool and sent through time you they know, both this... have the exact same like like they both like stole from each other or one yeah. the other it's fucking weird i don't know how this happened oh. No, this reinforce this reinforces Dad's idea, his theory that all shows are ultimately Gilligan's Island. <laughs> because like that was just in the ether in the seventies. It's just like because like I think like Swiss Family Robinson was like one of the most popular like TV shows in like the the sixties. I think maybe early seventies. Um, no, probably the sixties. But, like, um, that was, like, a really popular Disney TV series. And so I guess just the idea of, like, yeah, just families being shipwrecked. That's what the people want. Right. You know, like... This one's, it's, this one's weird, though, because it literally is the exact same plot, you know? Um, and they released the same day on competing channels, it seems, so... It could be corporate espionage. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was like... <laughs> But also, it could just be that, like, there's, like, remember, this is the era when there's three TV channels, and so, like, and every television executive is basically doing the same ideas, so it could just be a coincidence, I mean. Well, you know, here's what's even more upsetting, is that they both were broadcast on CBS, actually. 
Oh, okay. So yeah, so it's not even a competing network thing. It's it really is. Well, actually, just... that's not true. Actually, okay, sorry. Land Loss was NBC. Vibe Dinosaurs okay. was CBS. Okay, so maybe there's a little bit going on there. Okay, so maybe there is, but also <laughs> the fact that it's just the '70s and that was just what was in the you know in in the air at the time. Obviously, I, we can tell which one lived on, um, because realistically, let's be honest, Vibe the Dinosaurs is probably nothing like. But if but if Dad was here right now, he would be like, "What did I tell you? What did I?" Tell you? <laughs> Ah, I love how every Hammer Bears show is just literally the exact same shit. They always have they even even Valley Dinosaurs has this bizarre Scooby Doo knockoff looking character of a brown dog with a blue collar. Every every Hanna Barbera show was either the Flintstones, Scooby Doo, or Yogi Bear, and that was it. Those were the three. And then all of the others are just like ripoffs of those, you know. So like. There was like how many how many Yoki Bears were there basically? Like there was the there was the one with the octopus in a marine park, mm-hmm. like uh, that like and instead of a park ranger, it's like the the trainer for like the marine park. Also, that, how like, can you forget about uh, Goober and the Ghost Chasers? Or yeah, that thing that I or totally the Funky Phantom <laughs> or the Funky Phantom. These hit amazing shows. Like, yeah, they're all basically... And then, of course, the Jetsons are just the Flintstones, but in the future, mm-hmm. you know, like, they're... I mean, yeah, they just... Basically, they just they just had, like... They just keep going up the... Well, even the Flintstones became Scooby-Doo after a while, too, because they also started doing, like, weird crime hunting stuff as well, because they had, like, the teens, like, the kids and um, the Flintstones grew up. The... And they also solved mysteries, too, I believe, with their, their dog, i.e. their dinosaur. I forgot about that. I also was going to say that Flintstones had the same thing Scooby-Doo did, where Scooby-Doo introduced Scrappy-Doo as the really annoying kind of like, you know, sidekick, squeaky voice character to, to you know, who has like the... Basically, they did the, the sort of the comic relief, annoying comic relief character inserted for comic relief before Disney codified that. Right. They did that with Scrappy-Doo, but then Flintstones did that with the weird little alien that's in like Fred's imagination that pops up. Um, I forget his name. I just remembered that this was a thing. Um, and we've really speak just like the the family of Land the Lost. We've drifted off into of a course. we've we've gone off course into an unknown land, just like the characters in the movie we're talking about today, the land that time forgot. Which I forgot. Um, the so we can get I, into it now. Yeah, amazingly enough. No stock footage of mountains. What's true? I I would argue that there's a little bit there, but like it's just not, it's, the, not the opening. Oh, not the opening, no. Um, but there is definitely mountain that's stock footage. In this that's film. what I think it matters. Yeah, yeah. Later on, but at least they're actually in mountains. I mean, it'd be so funny if they showed off some random mountain vistas in like a suburb. And suddenly, <laughs> a ship in a storm. Like, forget about that. It's not important. We just had to fill time. Um, so this movie begins with a boat in a storm. Uh, everyone's in a seasick state. Uh, well, only, only three people. Now, according to like the premise, <laughs> I was fucking loving that. Yeah, I believe the premise on I think Wikipedia or something implies that they're like this is like a honeymoon thing and they've married recently, but I'm not sure the movie ever actually. I don't think that's that. A- not say that i think it's just that they like they're adventure seekers because he says like 
something along the lines of like, oh, come on, like, you know, like, we did bungee jumping, you were fine with that, and they're like, this is much worse than bungee jumping, uh, you know. So, yeah, so they're all very drunk on a boat, and they're having a hard time as a storm rages on. I love that thing where, like, they sort of have to, like, jostle each other on the little table. Um, the other thing I don't get is, um, what kind of boat is this supposed to be? I mean, it doesn't feel like the boat you'd bring, like... I don't That's know, like a, this feels like a fishing boat. It's, yeah, it's like a, it is like yeah, or or it's more or less it's a personal boat you'd have. It's right? it's basically a fishing boat, and they're treating it like a yacht that they rented because that's basically it. There's a, there's a captain, and he has like two crew members or one. Is it one? I don't remember. But it's it's one. Um, I even have his name on here, even though he's uh, not relevant. Well, yeah, whatever. But yeah, he's got a crew member. So there's Captain, he's got a crew member, and then there's this, yeah, this group of four that they brought with. So they're treating it like it's a it's a yacht, but it's a fishing boat, basically. So we'll, we'll go more in depth, but the cast here is, uh, there's, there's two separate couples, Karen and Frost, and then yep. there's also Lindsay and Stack. And that's the that's the two couples no, here. Stack was the crew met guy. No, I no, that's I believe. Oh no, you're correct. Um, Cole is the other guy. You know, so already I'm fucking up with <laughs> with I, my list here. Things are not important because they will not be said that often. Uh, Lindsay and Cole, Frost and Karen. That's the two couples, and then there's Captain Burles and uh, Stack, who are in charge of the boat they're on. Um. I guess Captain Burles, they gave him the name obviously in reference to the book, like like they give a shit. They are they don't. Obviously. Yeah, like they're actually like, you know <laughs> literate and scholarly, It's a little reference we snuck in there. Ooh. Do you like it? Um so while they're in the ocean, suddenly a portal opens up in the ocean, which sucks them in. And they all wake up in the morning, uh completely lost at sea with uh, all the tech on the boat uh, broken, as well as their fresh water supplies destroyed. Um, they all take it pretty smoothly, um, I felt. Well, they're all like, it's like, where are we? Oh, hey, an island. And it's just right there. <laughs> uh, there's some stuff here. So you get some of the feeling of the cast here and how they're kind of interacting with each other. And by that, I mean, um, it's really hard to remember who's who in this movie. <laughs> uh, but most importantly is Captain Burroughs. He guy's a fucking freak. Uh, <laughs> I love him a lot. I think he's a great character. Guy's a fucking freak. This movie than I normally do in the silent films. At the very least, no one looks like each other. Right. So that's a good start. Uh. Yeah, uh, so Karen spots some land out. They head out to it. She also sees something in the water. I don't think they ever really bring this up again, really, but sure. They do not, no. I, I think she, um, yeah, she sees something moving under the boat and, like, something big, and there's, she's like, oh, we got something under the boat, um, and no one else sees it, and they, they look over, like, well, what was it? Was it like a whale? And she's like, I don't know, it was big. And then she's like, you know, I, I'm just going to stay here. 
You guys all go on the island. I'm going to stay here where the monster is. Which is always a good sign when you just remove one of your characters like that. <laughs> <laughs> when you're writing a script for a story. But like, don't understand her motivation. She saw a creature, she freaks out, and she goes, I'm going to stay here. Well, so that um, it's... Um, so she could, uh, I, um, so she could be kidnapped or yes, eaten by the monster. No, it's for, it's for plot purposes. Yeah. But, no. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. So Karen yeah. hangs out on the fucking boat. The other thing that annoys me is that the other woman, the, 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 the younger one, she, uh, um, goes like, oh, heck no, I'm not staying here. I'm, I'm gay to the island. I think the line is, uh, Fucking Jaws couldn't stop me from getting to the island. Again, violating the Mystery Science Theater rule, do not reference a better movie in the middle of your crappy movie. Oh, not like Asylum Cares. I mean, their titles are just fake versions of the good movies when you get down to it, right? Like the Terminators? Like, everyone knows it's you're just riffing Terminator. I mean... <laughs> Like I don't, I don't, th I think Asylum has lost all uh, concern about people thinking their films are shit. Um, so Lindsay, Frost, Stack, and Cole, and Captain Burroughs all fuck off into the island, um, and they start exploring it. I guess they they kind of just like chart a path. They don't really have anywhere specific where they're going. No, they're just looking for water mainly. You think you'd hang out on the beach for a little bit and try and find a stream there first? Because realistically, a river is going to go into the ocean. No, that's stupid. Um, but, you know, sure. Uh, uh, as they're walking around, they this part. So Lindsay starts getting thirsty. And they have this weird sequence where they're constantly giving everyone who gets, like, thirsty alcohol, which I believe dehydrates you. <laughs> um, so, you know, that's very smart on their part. They're, it's very 18th century thinking there. <laughs> Have some brandy. They'll, they'll pick you up. Uh, Stack wants to get a higher ground to see what's going on. So he climbs up a mountain and then is immediately killed by a pterodactyl. Oh, but he spots some. He, he spots a flare. That seems so weird, too, because like he yell, you can't actually hear what he's saying. We forgot about this. The captain gives... Uh, Karen was her name? Gives yeah, a flare. flare gun um, and explains how, and tells her how to use it, which is weird again because like C. Thomas Howe plays her husband, and so you think this would be sort of like this would be his moment to like comfort her and be like, mm -hmm. "Look, we'll leave you with a flare gun. Here's how you use it." No, it's the captain, this complete straight who like who comforts her and basically like, like, "Here's how you use the flare gun." Um, you know, if anything happens, but anyway, so when Stack is out there, he, he spots the flare before the pterodactyl attacks him. Maybe C. Tom's Hal just likes cucking himself in his own scripts. Like, like sort of, uh, like, kind of, like, <laughs> like he really likes being sort of a side character in his own movie that he wrote for himself to star him as himself, basically. It's one thing to do the Alfred Hitchcock, I'm going to sneak a cameo into the movie. It's quite another to be the, like, auxiliary character. Right. But it's cause, okay, so uh, I obviously named the two major ones, which is The Room, you know, Time Was So, and Neil Breen, right? And they, they, make the, they make themselves the main character, right? It's, it's weird to see this, but, like, he basically... Because, all right, in all those films, he is, in essence, the main character, but he's just so passive in, in his acting style, right? 
It's a little <laughs> bit like the Quentin Tarantino uh, uh, Pulp Fiction thing, where he casts himself as like this, like kind of like whiny, spazzy guy. They only shows up for one scene in mm-hmm. the middle, but like that character, at least you know, kind of has a role, you know. Right, but those are in essence are cameos, right? He's not like a he's not a main character. He's, in the yeah, film. that's a good point. That's a good point. But it's, what's yeah. weird here, I mean, again, I think that's fine, obviously, and I think that's overall good that he's not making him like a messiah character in his own film. But it is weird that he isn't doing that at the same time, I guess. I think it, would, it would at least make for a more interesting film, though. Sure. Like, you would get a kind of fun Neil Breen sort of situation. <laughs> Someone's so up their own ass they don't realize it. Yeah. It's just... It's just... Odd. It's, it's, it's not just that he casts himself as a, you know, minor character. Quote, major slash minor character. <laughs> The weird part is that he casts himself as a major character who, who does nothing. Who then does nothing. Who who active like takes a back seat to other characters taking initiative. That's weird. And speaking of initiative, uh after Stack is killed by the pterodactyl, uh Lindsay just like freaks the fuck out and then runs <laughs> off in a random direction. Like a total asshole. So they all like run after Lindsay saying like, whoa, Lindsay, please come back. You can't just run off in a random direction. This strange force. She has the most reasonable response because after a pterodactyl pushes Stack off, then it swoops down and starts like, you know, eating him. And Mm. so everyone else is sort of like, whoa, and she actually runs off. So I would say the reasonable, well, everyone's reaction is bizarre. I would say the reasonable thing, we run back to the beach and not just deeper into the woods. That's fair. You know. Uh, we can't have we can't like we can't have nice things in the asylum obviously uh so they all catch up with Lindsay after a exciting running sequence only to be confront- confronted by a t-rex um so you know gotta get that out of the way yeah these uh, are the only two dinosaurs who show up in the movie by the way the yeah. t-rex and that is it hypothetically there's uh, more i mean the, the t-rexes will come back but those are the only two kinds of dinosaurs that show up period he, um, this scene did have my favorite moment in the movie um, because they're freaking out and they're all they're all they're all really acting. They are acting up a storm here, um, freaking out that the boat is is now gone. The beach uh, when they get back to the beach and they're freaking out and they're acting up a storm like they're they're just really putting their all into it, freaking out that the boat is missing. And this had this had my favorite bit, which is where the captain goes, "The flare." Yeah, Burroughs is, is, I mean, the actor's like putting in his all here, though. Yeah. I have to put, I mean, by that, I mean, he's like, again, completely like unhinged this whole film in terms of his acting style. Like he's, he really comes off as some person's having like a, just a real bad kind of hangover, basically. Yeah, for real. I don't know how much is that if that that's the actor or him playing a character. Hard to say. Um, honestly, this film was probably all active in like two days. I'm guessing as well. So they all head back into the woods once again in a sort of a random kind of just just they're just going off and back into the island again. Not really sure where they're going. Sure. 
there's a weird sequence here where Frost sits down and tries to express a theory to Lindsay that they actually probably went to some sort of time portal. Uh, but Lindsay literally doesn't give a shit at all. She's just like, just you're, like you, you're talking crazy, Frost. Like, I, I really need you to pull it together here. <laughs> I, I mean... Just saw dinosaurs. Well, that's so weird how nonchalant everyone is about the whole dinosaur thing. They all act like if it's a common day occurrence or something. Like you run into a tiger or something, right? I think they run into the T-Rex a second time. And this time around, the captain is like, what is this place? (laughs) You know. You didn't have that reaction the first time you ran into dinosaurs? Or when it immediately killed your your friend or whatever, you know? Yeah, you think that would be an issue, but no. Uh, so Burl and uh, Cole find a water stream, and they they're able to get some fresh water. Um, this is one of my least favorite like common tropes in these stories. They just immediately start drinking it. Like they just they just they start they see that fresh stream, they immediately begin to drink it. Mm. And they don't boil it or anything. They just go straight for it, which seems insane. And I think that would give you dysentery, uh, and or death or giardia. <laughs> something bad definitely something bad especially since this is like the past or whatever that's a good point yeah oh isn't this where we get the giant dragonfly yeah yeah it's a big dumb dragonfly um which isn't relevant <laughs> so i take it back it's actually a fair prehistoric creature that shows up in the movie but um it's really funny because like it, it shows up and it's just hovering there and the captain's like or no what's the other guy well, no, it's one, the captain yeah the captain is just like check it out Check it out. Like, he's, like, enchanted by it, basically. It's just like, whoa. Oh, it's so cool. What's weird, though, is then Cole doesn't give a shit either, just like Lindsay, about seeing a gigantic dragonfly. He's once again really nonplussed about it and just kind of goes, like, whatever, man. (laughs) It's a big bug. Okay, yeah. (laughs) Um, Afterwards, they come across an animal corpse. And this is in our great uh, Burroughs scene where Burroughs points at the meat and goes, Cole, uh, uh, look, uh, uh, fresh meat. Uh, go go check it out. Uh. So once again, just completely, uh, just, I, I don't even understand how, to, I'm not, not sure even how to describe his acting style here. Um, hi. <laughs> um, obviously, the, the animals killed. No, actually, he also has a moment, I think we skipped over, where, um, um, what was Lauren? Was her name? Was that it? Or who? Who's uh, Lindsay? Lindsay. Lindsay. Um, and and they're a couple. And and he's like he's trying to calm her down. This is after they ran away from the T Rex the first time. He's trying to calm her down, and he goes like, "Honey, do you remember that skiing trip where I broke my leg and you had to carry me down the mountain? We're back on the mountain." It's right. Like, yeah. It's the how little. Is, how is this helping? <laughs> I guess it's just to try and get Lindsay to like stop being uh, so incredibly self-centered. Um, I don't even get the impression that she's self-centered. Well, Lindsay's character is awful in this film. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna like defend Lindsay's character. She mostly sits around and complains because that's how they wrote her. I mean, that's kind of what half of them all do, though. You're definitely correct, except Frost, who doesn't say anything ever. I don't think. Just to hear. Oh. Well, to be fair, because the trip was his idea, so. Uh, so, though, obviously, the corpse they found, a T-Rex killed it, so they all run away from the T-Rex again. 
and they hide it behind a rock and that t-rex is like oh, that's good enough i'm not going to chase that yeah um later that night they all eat the dino corpse they found and there's another great Burroughs line here where he's like eating dinosaurs. I'm so hungry, or I could eat a dinosaur. <laughs> I missed that. And then, and then nobody laughs at all. And it's like. But I think this might fun. be. The... Oh, wait, no, hang on. This is a layer state. Never mind, never mind. I'm going to hold, hold back on this. But Go yeah. For it, yeah. Uh, Frost is in charge of keeping guard duty, but immediately dozes off and then <laughs> wakes to a mysterious man with a snake named Jude. The, the snake is such a weird. This okay. I love Jude though. I think Jude's a great character who does again enough screen time. I he leaves this movie like halfway through. He's a fun character. So basically, he's a 1940s pilot. He's a 1940s pilot garb and from World War II specifically. And he has a, a and he and he often has a snake draped over his shoulders. Now, is this a is this a snake from the island? Or if, I was thinking that too. Maybe it's like his pilot companion snake. Is like maybe it's a Hanna Barbera thing, and the snake helps him solve mysteries. Or an Indiana Jones thing. <laughs> Does Indiana Jones have a snake companion? The pilot at the start of Raiders of the Lost Ark, where it, where Indy gets into the plane, and there's a snake in there, and the pilot's like, "Oh, it's just my snake friend. Don't worry about him." <laughs> Do snakes would snakes be a good companion to have in the air? I wonder. Like, is there some sort of maybe tactical advantage one could have of a snake in the air? Like, the snake could leap to another airplane and then like attack them in a dogfight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I'm <laughs> like you know, it, it'd be a, 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 a attack snake. I mean, you 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 joke, but they cut this ability from Battlefield, so you know. <laughs> To throw your snake at another plane. Uh, so uh, Jude is great. Um, he apparently saw the boat at some point, and then he's like, "Oh, I know where the boat is, and let me take you there." But it's going to prove much harder than you guys might think. He warns. I don't know why he's like being so vague about this, really. But surely he won't later turn out to be a villain. <laughs> They telegraph that so hard. Mm. Like, I'm sorry. I know I'm spoiling it, but like... Oh, no, don't spoil the twist of the film. It so hard. It's like, okay, come on. Yeah. Uh, so Jude takes them to a mysterious cave, and an old man is in there named Conrad, who was an, on a 1955 uh, German boat called the Connemara, or Connemara, or Connemara, or whatever, which I think was a real boat or something. So this is the thing. So so apparently this is another one of those popular Bermuda Triangle stories, and this is where they start piecing together. And I think in the next scene, the the 1940s pilot reveals that he was on flight 19. Mm-hmm. Um, so apparently. Here's the thing. I, I, I thought I was familiar with Bermuda Triangle stories. I never heard of the Connemara. And mm. I tried looking it up, and it was actually kind of difficult because it is a real boat that, 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 van, that um, well, didn't vanish. Uh, but in 1955. <laughs> I might have. Who can say? No, no, no. It was discovered with, with no crew on board. Um, and it happened in 1955. And of course, Flight 19 is an incredibly famous story. Right. Um, but I never heard of Connemara, and, and finding uh, info on it was actually kind of difficult because it, in the 1910s there was an Irish ferry 
called the Connemara that sank and it killed, it hit a better boat and it sank and it killed dozens of people. So when you Google the Connemara ship, that's what most of the results are about. So I was like, no, I need to, like, what's the Connemara that's related to the Bermuda Triangle? And I finally found it. And basically it turns out the Connemara is one of the found, uh, foundational myths of the Bermuda Triangle because um, the idea of the Bermuda Triangle only really gained traction in like the the 50s and the 60s, particularly the 60s when there started being people start writing books about it, and and then there started being like media sto- like you know stories about it, and so of course Flight 19 was a big one, uh, but then the Connemara was the other one. It was just this like this 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 uh, this this uh, sailing boat, like a yacht type deal that was just found drifting with no crew. And it turns out, and this would be probably why I'd never heard of the Connemara, because even though it became a very popular story at the time and very well published and it became part of the Bermuda Triangle mythos and all that, later on it turned out that the Connemara was just... um, uh, not properly moored at oh. dock and the hurricane oh. came and it just it, it, oh. it just like the it, it just like all the the more snapped and it drifted out to sea oh. so the guy who wrote the book like the book about the bermuda triangle that kind of got all the stuff start this myth started like later on he issued a correction but it, oh. by that point it was too late oh, I see. so like that's why the ship was found floating with no crew because there was no crew. <laughs> yeah, that's um, that's uh, yeah. I don't know how you fuck up that bad in your uh, storytelling or your research, but sure. Because you have books to sell. Uh, but flight night <laughs> is a is a much more popular myth that has you know endured like you know like like uh uh, but that one shows up in Close Encounters of the Third Kind, mm-hmm. flight nineteen story. Um, but yeah, so you have the guy from 1945, the, the guy from 1950, the old sea captain from 1955, and then these folks. From 2009, I guess, I'm going to assume. Late 2000s. Um, so, yeah, so obviously we already mentioned Nazis, so they're there here too, of course, as well, because, you know, what's a, what's a, what's a time-traveling dinosaur adventure without Nazis? Nazis. So, yeah, they go, to, they go around, and then there's a, a big U-boat stranded on a beach, and there's a group of Germans, and they've taken Karen hostage. Oh, no. Um, it's pretty, f- like... I'm I, I'm really curious because if people, this happens all the time with a lot of these movies is I want to get like an actual person who knows German to actually hear what they're saying. I was just gonna say because I, 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 I don't <laughs> I know I know three words of German and I'm pretty sure they're not speaking German. Yeah, well, I'm just curious. Yeah, how, also how shit is their accent? Are they actually German actors? Probably well, not. Well, they're all very quiet and they all speak very slowly, and so I'm just like, yeah, you don't. Speak. <laughs> That's not it. They might as well. They might as well be running around going "Das Boot, Das Boot." Right. You know, like it's it. There's that 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 clip of um um uh oh crap, what's his name? Um, 
the guy of Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, Chris Pratt? Right, Chris Pratt. Thank you. I knew it was a Chris. <laughs> he's playing Mario, don't you know? And and he's also in the Jurassic World movies. That um, just came out, too. Well, went to a smashing uh, fucking Rotten Tomatoes of like 50% or some shit. I, I, it, it sure is it's terrible. But um, <laughs> there's a clip of uh, Chris Pratt on, on Conan O'Brien um be going like oh like i could tell the joke in in german do you want to hear it and he was like sure and then he says it and it's 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 gibberish but it at least sounds german like it actually like he mixes in just enough real german words and he gets the inflection down enough that you sort of like if you don't know you'd be like huh I, I didn't know he spoke German, and it's and, but it's all gibberish. Mm-hmm. But that sounded more authentic than these guys, right? You know, I don't honestly. They might as well not even had them speak German. Just like have them just oh yeah, we all know English for insert dumb reason here. I mean, also, it's, also is this a um? Is this also a Bermuda story too? Is there any sort of Nazi submarine, no, or is this all secrety no, I will, in, I will in lore stuff? No, I will explain why there are there's a U-boat full of Germans here, but let's let's hold back on that. Fair enough. Uh, so Jude is all like, I know got I know how to deal with these Nazi scum. Uh, let's sneak into their base via secret tunnel that they have. But I think there. he has a line of like, I don't think they know uh, we kicked their asses, you know, <laughs> in the war. Um, I don't think Jude would know that either because no. I, I guess yeah. Did the flight uh, was that post World War Two? Sure. Flight nineteen is is uh, just after the end of World War Two. Gotcha. Uh, so yeah, Jude wants to create a diversion to save Karen and Frost is like, fuck yeah, I'm down for that. Uh, which obviously just means to get the T Rex. They throw a rock at a T Rex, and that that's the plan. That's the diversion. So very good. Uh, they lead it to the Nazis, who then get attacked by the T-Rex, and then Jude and Conrad uh, just, like, will take this opportunity to not save Karen, but instead knock out Burl and uh, steal his boat. They they also say they're, there's a scene where they say they're going to do this before they actually do it. Like, they're like, they're like, when we get a chance... Like we're getting that boat, and we're getting—we're not—we're—we're we're getting the hell out of here. Like, and then they can—they can kill each other. Uh, the these guys and the Germans, um, which I don't think is great filmmaking. That like, yeah, it's this is this is about the 30, 40 minute mark of this movie, and there's still like uh, almost an hour left of this film. And they're like already t- like, hey, by the way, we're villains. So like, there's no twist because <laughs> they're, they're gone afterwards they just leave well i mean they leave like, the movie too right so it's like going to happen and then not just because like oh because that's that's what kind of movie this is but like they say they're going to do it <laughs> so yeah so jude and conrad steal the boat um while they're all fighting the nazis and they leave and there's this really bizarre sequence where then <laughs> Burroughs realizes and he, he runs into the middle of the gunfight, like they took the bar. And then, and then the Nazis all stop shooting, and, and everyone, everyone just kind of realizes and goes, "Wait, what?" Over. And then they oh. all just like they all just walk over to the end of the beach, even though there was a T Rex earlier who killed one hey. of them. And they go and look at the boat leaving, and they're all just like, 
damn. Hey. And the Nazis then realize that like they're the bad guys, so then they immediately oh. point guns at them. Oh, wait, by the way, here you're our prisoners <laughs> now. Um, fuck, it's a weird thing to do with this movie too, because the rest of this movie, um, it's really funny because my like uh my notes takings basically more or less ends here to some extent. Uh- the rest of this film takes on much more of a, you know, sort of, I guess, throwback to those 70s, you know, shipwreck shows like, like you know, Swiss Hand Robinson. The rest of this uh, film is much more straightforwardly about the, the them working together to get off the island. Right. Um, so, it turns out the German speaks English. Yes, and they, they, they hold the whole gang hostage. They they bury because I guess one of the Germans is killed by he the T Rex. By the T Rex, yeah, and there's just right. a bunch of pieces of guts around. There's like some pieces of his leg, and then while they're burying it, the captain is like, "Hey, wait, there's oil on 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 this on the." And they do reference this because Conrad earlier brought brings up like the lantern or whatever. He has a lantern. He has a gas la- lantern, yeah. which means they need petroleum to they need oil to 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 run it. And he's like, "Yeah, there's oil here." Um, uh, for some reason, the T Rex is guarding the petroleum. I don't. I, no, I don't. <laughs> well, well, you know, you, you need a challenge for a character. <laughs> uh, would to, to be fair, in several million years, that T Rex will be oil. So. Right. Oh, that's yeah. Ooh, it's just like um, the that previous Asylum movie with with uh with the, oh, the time dinosaurs 100 million bc yeah where the dinosaur becomes the the, the, the mountain yeah <laughs> whatever the fuck it's just like that one they teleport him into the mountain and somehow the mountain remains unchanged for a hundred million years let's just talk about that real quick and how red letter media uh, not to talk about other people's stuff obviously but i just do want to mention red letter media did that movie yeah yeah it was just weird that, seeing it that was one of the more <laughs> fun asylum films we've done it was just weird seeing them talk about it because it's like oh, i know this one wait a minute okay. i've seen this one before no that was fun uh yeah but yeah so this was this is the moment i was referring to but anyway so yeah they they so the captain's like okay wait we actually have a chance to get up we have there's oil on this island we, we can actually you know get out and this is where I, th- this is the first of my, you know, smart ass critiques of, w- which was, you can't just take oil out of the ground and put it in a submarine. You have to refine it. Oh, uh, yeah, but luckily Burroughs turns out to be a chemist for some reason. But then the movie actually addressed this critique. So what they do is they go to the T-Rex lair, they, they sneak in real quick, they get a bucket of oil, they run it back, um... And then um, I think the captain has a line of um, uh, now be, now begins the dangerous part. The dangerous part being I have to build a refinement, yeah. Um, basically, like a moonshine still, essentially, um, but for refining. And then he just does. And he just does. He, <laughs> he just he just makes it. Which I don't uh, sure whatever I he's feel I feel like the fact process. that he just he just makes it like like they just uh, do what a jump cut and he yeah I don't understand I guess it was on the the, the submarine, submarine I guess I don't I don't I don't I don't know about that if it was on the submarine it seems weird that none of the uh, the the Nazis knew how to ut- utilize the equipment in that case but whatever he's a chemist sure 
You get um, a bunch of funny dialogue from him, and by funny I mean unhinged and deranged. But it's funny to us. What? <laughs> <laughs> but he uh, he explains every step of the process, and he mentions like that, like that, like now, like keeping a steady heat source is a problem here because we're basically just using wood fires. So this thing needs to be manned twenty four seven. I shouldn't have to explain what would happen. Uh, if this if if this goes badly and he mines an explosion and so like I think it's actually it's a German one of the Germans who doesn't speak English right. who's, who's like yes exactly um, and um, and the German who does speak English helps him. Uh, and this is this is this is when they also getting really buddy buddy with the Nazis, which feels very strange. Very odd, yeah. Um, and so they, he actually does manage to successfully filter a like like little uh, thing like a canteen's worth of, of of gasoline, and they put it in a, in a gas generator. I don't know where they got the gas generator from. Sure, and they use it to play music. Yeah. Well, and, and also string up some some Christmas lights, and uh, uh, and they plug it in, and they turn on. It's like yay, it works. Um, and then this came to my. While they were doing the the, fil- the filtering scene, this is my next critique of, oh, you're going to run a submarine on, like, you know, one take of gasoline. And then the next scene, they, again, address this criticism of, okay, so we just need to do this a lot more, and then we'll have enough gasoline to run the submarine. I'm yeah, like, which is... first we, but first we have to kill the T-Rex, so we'll have access, like, un, un like unrestricted access to that gasoline. I was like, oh shit this is one of the more stupid sequences is this whole t-rex plot (laughs) i think this whole sequence is so dumb and nonsensical but so i think it's also it's it's c thomas howell's character's idea finally at long last his time to shine finally (laughs) yeah he brings up yeah it doesn't get anyone killed or he has his 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 idea is is like so the caveman killed mammoths by like setting fires and scaring the mammoths off cliffs so we're gonna get bombs and scare the t-rex out of territory via bombs and then we're gonna scare the t-rex up a canyon and then off a cliff not even that though because their goals then they then they (laughs) don't yeah, so they they then lure the T-Rex onto the beach where the submarine is, and their real plan is to shoot the T-Rex with a torpedo from the submarine by luring into the exact perfect spot on the beach. The, yes. What could uh, go So they do it, obviously, and it goes wrong, uh, because when they're they trying... They to the beach, that part works out fine, and then they're like, fire the torpedo. And, and it the... misses? <laughs> okay sure i'm not sh- I, the funniest part too is that like it it like it's it whiffs past the t-rex and it blows up on the mountain like cliff side of the beach mm-hmm. and the t-rex is like completely unfazed by this not even like harmed well, by any sort of trapnel. actually in a position where they could fire the torpedo like that like sure yeah so like is that how torpedoes work? I thought torpedoes required like water. Water, maybe. Yeah, right. I don't know if they just like they can maybe just shoot like a missile. But like, I maybe they don't. Maybe they actually do just shoot like a gun. But like, I thought I thought there was a, a different Isn't kind. Isn't a little thing. turbine at the at the end or something? There's right? a little propeller, I yeah. think. But like that might be the older ones. I don't know. But I guess this would be one of the older. <laughs> it would ones. be one of the older ones. Yeah. I but I don't. <laughs> I mean, like, yeah, like I don't I, know. I, 
thought I thought there was like a different kind of mechanism for shooting a torpedo versus shooting a gun. But anyway, in this movie, it's just like shooting. So so they fuck up and fail, and then Cole remember him. He's uh, Lindsay's husband. Um, he's he's been here doing stuff for sure. Um, he just okay. What his idea was? He's like, damn, we missed. Okay, well, he doesn't even do that. He just lets the dinosaur eat him. But he like he doesn't. No. <laughs> Does he? Yeah. <laughs> okay. I thought they shot him with a second torpedo. I didn't know there was like a whole grenade. So. No, no. That's why he does it. He pulls the pin on the grenade and he's like, come at me. And the See, because I actually, but, honestly, but I sort of thought. thrown it in the T-Rex's mouth. I sort of thought he had a really severe vor fetish. And I thought it was just his chance. His last chance to fucking. No, he pulls a pin. That's. <laughs> It's just like this is my chance to be really eaten by. A I feel like he could have just tried to like throw it in T Rex's mouth, like you know. Granted, that would be hard. Something, like, you know. But he wanted to die in the of film. Like, I'm I'm killing myself, like you know, to save everyone else. Um, and that works. The T Rex eats him and it blows up. And then Lindsay is uh, very sad by this, but we don't even really get any discussion from her. Uh, something, something I forgot to mention about the the CGI is that it's so of the T Rex. It's so janky. <laughs> it reminded me of stop motion. Yeah, it it wasn't which almost feels like a reference to the original movie. Um, if it wasn't for the fact that, that it's just the fact that all asylum animation looks like this. Right. Um, so they all quickly get over Cole's death. Uh, sure, whatever. One scene yeah. recording him and see Thomas Howell's guy comes by and is just like, "Hey, he he gave us a chance. He opened the door for us. We have now. We have to take it." You know. But he and, was so stupid, Frost. He was just so dumb. He did such a dumb, stupid thing. Why did he do that? It was really fucking stupid. Now they have unrestricted access to the oil, but they only have two weeks to pull this plan off because, as the captain says, that's when the tide will be at its highest. So that's going to be our one shot to get the U-boat out of here. And, of course, they can't wait or anything. Um, and so... So no. I, I actually, weirdly enough, sort of stopped, um, for the most part, writing notes here because it's kind of a bizarre sort of like time-lapse sequence here where they're kind of working it's, on the song. Yeah, they're working on it and they're they're like, there's a couple of like uh, jokes where like C. Thomas Howe is trying to carry uh, gasoline down from the oil down from the thing and he's struggling and one of the, the big German guys comes by and is just like and he hoists a big like oil barrel he could just carry it on his shoulders it's like and he's like you know and just like walking off and see Thomas House is like yeah okay <laughs> once again I, I don't like I mean, these guys are Nazis. I we, I just feel like oh. I just feel like the movie's really ignoring this at this point. I I got pretty upset at this point that I was like, oh wow, they really are just so letting I, them. I have some potentially good news. <laughs> <laughs> the moment I I say, so you asked, why is there a U-boat of Germans? Mm -hmm. Okay, this is why, because in the original. Uh, uh, land of time for god as well as the 70s film the pre it takes place during world war one sure and the, and the main characters are a british family that are on a vessel that is sunk by a german u-boat and they're saved by the crew of the u-boat and then the u-boat sails off it gets lost in a storm and it discovers the dinosaur island 
and there's and there's one of the German crew members speaks English, and they have to work together to even though it's wartime and they hate each other, they have to work together to get off the island. That is why there's a U-boat of Germans here. But this leads me to a question then. Are these World War One Germans? There, World- they, there's a, yeah, the, the issue is they, there's a throwaway comment that doesn't actually answer this question, but I'll throw it anyway, yeah. which is they do reference where it's like, oh, it's the future now, you know, that, that we won that war. And then the guy speaks and he's like, won. yeah, yeah, it doesn't help at all. Um, I will bring up one thing is they did kidnap Karen and tie her up to like a box, um, which is pretty upsetting and not a cool or good thing to do, obviously. Well, again, this doesn't answer... Which, so they're not like good people per se in regards to kidnapping some random woman on a beach and then tying her up. That's pretty bad. But they might not necessarily be Nazis. Not necessarily, but they're not great people either. But no, they're not. They're not. But <laughs> um, was this now? I'm sh- tragically. I don't think. I don't think the IMDb mega nerds are on here today. It doesn't matter what IMDb says. No, no, no. Doesn't make oh, this my clear. point is the submarine they're in. Did World War One have that style submarine yet? That kind yes. of thing. Well, okay, yeah. So U boats. I I did. I was curious about this. Like, can you tell the difference between World War One and World Two U boats? Honestly, I tried, and like, I mean, if you're in, if I guess if you really know your stuff, you can tell the difference. But I looked at at different examples, and I couldn't tell the difference. And the thing is, the CGI is so shit; it doesn't really matter. Now, I'm thinking because this is based off of that old thing, I'm thinking they're probably supposed to be World War I Germans, but again, the movie does not make this clear, so I spent the whole time just assuming that they were Nazis. Right, and the movie expects you to too as well, obviously. Because, I think it does. Because think... Jude thinks that, obviously, and you think you assume Jude has some kind of feud with them because they I was thinking at one point at some point. At one point, like the, the like, I was laughing at the idea that the Germans would ask them, like, "So, hey, you're from the future. Who won the war?" And them being like, "Uh, don't worry about it." Like, you know. And and at firstly, like, I was I was laughing, thinking of that as World War Two. But then it became even funnier when I thought they were, might be from World War One. <laughs> it's, like, it's not just that you lost that war. Twenty-five years later, there's another war, and you lose that one too. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's like and, a lot the worse. The whole reason why you lost the second war is because you lose this war. <laughs> um, that would be a funny scene for sure to have for these. Uh, uh but, but don't worry about. It. <laughs> um, so they're missing. You know what? If we're gonna do this, we have 1945 pilot, 1950 sea captain some point in early 20th century German soldiers. There should have been pirates. Like, let's get really crazy. Oh, sure, sure, sure. Yeah, like kind of a sort of crazy voyage of discovery kind of All of the times in here. Let's get pirates. Age of piracy kind of stuff. That'd be fun. Let's get, because this is in the Caribbean. Let's get pirates. Uh, we've got we've the got pirates the, could have been could have been part of Conrad's and the pirates uh, Jude's group, the and they could have fucked off halfway through the film. Even the pirates could have been the real villains, you know. But there could have been pirates, and then World War Germans, and then we have our current people, and then there could have even been someone from the future, like after like the the like two thousand nine. You know, the only negative about the pirates thing is that that would be they wouldn't need technology at all. So that would be like why they're still on the island. 
I guess, if they just have a boat that they can sail away. Right. Maybe maybe, maybe it crashed. Maybe maybe. It got I'm sure. I mean, they all crashed, right? But like, I no, guess it it, it ruined the, the whole final act. Of the, uh, the ruin it. It ruined the final act of this maybe movie. The, maybe the boat <laughs> got like wedged on the sand, or maybe they just can't find their way back, and so they're just like they're just they're just like of uh threats that like you know sort of menacing the main characters right. on the island. Like this is their like uh you know the place where they hide their treasure. And um, they, or yeah, hell, that maybe that's it. Maybe the like pi- time pirates. Maybe the pirates actually figured out how to do the time portal Ooh. thing. They keep, they keep like stowing treasure. Careful, John. We're making a better movie. This would be such a good movie. <laughs> Just the word "time pirates" is good enough for me. Time pirates of the Caribbean. Like, come on. <laughs> This would be so good. Um, so while they're building the submarine, though, let's finish off this film. Uh, oh, yeah. Another T Rex appears because they didn't want to make an CGI model, so it's just a, another another one. It's another one. Even they though- did they did hint at this because the T Rex when they first come across it, there was a big nest of eggs. So it is, that does imply there's two in, of them. In in two weeks, it grew to a full size T Rex. Well, I, I was sort of assuming there was like a like a a, a male and a female. T-Rex. Oh, you mean like the uh, okay, okay, okay. Unless we're playing a Jurassic Park, you know, magical frog DNA bullshit, but probably not. You don't okay. need to. Do that. No, no, okay, that that makes sense. But then, where was it the whole this whole time? It was sleeping. Okay. Yeah, we don't know. Maybe T Rexes were like cats; and they slept like sixteen hours a day. So anyway, it shows up on the day that they're like, "Oh, we got it. The tide's at its highest. We got to go." Um. So I actually straight up. Was got distracted by some of my laptop and I stopped watching the movie for the most part. Um, so but my assumption was they fight the T Rex, they kill the T Rex, and then they leave the submarine. But tragically, Frost and Karen can't get on the submarine. Is that a good enough assessment? Um, let me think here. Kinda. They they try to fight off the T Rex. Uh, I think one or one of the Germans dies. They're they they do manage to get the submarine moving, um, and yeah, Frost is still on the island. See Thomas Howe uh, is is still there, and then Karen was on the submarine, but she runs back onto the island uh, to try and, and get Frost and bring him into the submarine. But they get the submarine moving, and they're like, "Nah, forget, it, let's just go." So they just go, and uh, yeah, that's it. And then they're and then the two of them. See Thomas Howell and, and Karen. They're they're just left there on the island. I, forget how they, I don't even remember how they defeat the T Rex. You know, again, I don't remember because I I stopped watching the movie, which is like a first I think in a while for the asylum. I tend to at least try and stay focused, but I kind of just stopped watching after Jude left for the most part. Don't remember. I think I legit do not remember how they defeat the T Rex. I don't even remember if they do defeat the T Rex. <laughs> It's a mystery, guys. You gotta watch the movie for yourself to find out. Um, but it anyway, the ending is just they're the last two on the island. There's an incredibly funny sequence where they're talking about like, I don't know if we'll ever get off, but I hope we'll one day find blah blah blah. Uh Karen is pregnant now, which yeah, seems like a dangerous thing to do, but sure. Um, uh, life finds a way. You there's know. a fucking part where he takes a, he he writes a note. Somehow he has a note and paper and something to write onto the paper. Yeah, he yeah. puts into a bottle and kind of just chucks it into the the, the the ocean, even though that's just going to go right back onto the island. And he has um, no I'm... idea. <laughs> I mean, they're 
therefore we have no idea whether the submarine actually got or out. or jude's boat yeah or jude's boat for that matter we Conrad, have no yeah idea if they actually found the time portal and got back which i'd be curious about which time would they go back to yeah that's a good question i guess it's really <laughs> it's hard to say It'd be cool if they go into like the far future. You know, it's, it's the year three thousand. Like everything, everything about time is kind of screwy because the sea captain apparently showed up before the pilot. Um, because the sea captain, the pilot keeps saying that, that that sea captain he knows the island way better than I ever. Would I guess they could be years. multiple, many different well, portals. But the sea captain is from fifty five, and the pilot is from forty five. So even though the pilot is from an older time period, he hasn't been on the island as long as the sea captain has. Right. So it's just that the time is just all whacked. Uh, that, or it could be like multiple time portals right so like you know they could just enter they could just randomly enter one at random and could have ended up natural phenomenon that just happened Uh, really great sequel bait for sure sure (laughs) um but anyway what if the u.s government discovers this and they start messing with time with their uh, time island portals but the reason why um uh see thomas howe is writing this down and puts it in a jar and throws it into the ocean even though it's not going to go anywhere um is well, yeah, that's a good point. It's it's, it's just going to go right back onto the shore because the tides. Of, well, it's also at the time of the dinosaurs, so like there aren't any humans alive to. Yeah, it's not going to do the bottles. The, the bot. It's not. It's stupid. It's a stupid thing he's doing. Uh, but anyway, um, the reason why boat. that's in there is because that's how the original book opens. The original book is someone found the message in the bottle and turned it into a book. Basically, like these are like like someone wrote the details of the adventure from the book and put it in the thing and threw it in the ocean. And that's, that's how they found the story basically. Um, so yeah, that's the movie. Um, do you recommend this film? No, but like I say, this is probably a slightly more competent example of an asylum film just because they at least kind of thought of the story about the story. It's weird that they keep getting C. Thomas Howell to do, like, at, like obviously the reason why they make these movies is to cash in on like something big that's coming out that year that's just sort of similarly named. So in this case, Land of the Lost, Land of the Time Forgot. But it's weird that they get C. Thomas Howell in to do these things where it's like, no, it's an adaptation of a book. Sink. <laughs> That's all of his movies, actually, weirdly enough, isn't it? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That for some reason, they keep getting him to do that. I guess he's just one of those guys who likes science fiction or something, much like David Michael Latt, where they have some weird science fiction interest, but they don't they don't really utilize it in any way. No, they just kind of they just kind of like the concept of science fiction. I guess I don't even know if they really read these books or not. Who knows? But uh, but it's it's just it's odd. It's it, they keep getting him to do it, and, and his his. Well, don't worry, because this is the last time they give him to do anything. Oh wow! Okay. Then. I'm not. This might even be the last film he's in. We'll have to see. Last asylum film he's in. Yeah, well, he's in a lot of other shit. Jesus, he's in so much stuff. Did he get to direct anything after this? This is. Uh, he directed. Let's check here real quick on imdb he has one more thing he directed but not by the asylum uh called the genesis code which is um the da vinci code this is a awful 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 um sort of art for the movie here it looks terrible 
Um, a college hockey player and a female journalist student struggle to find common ground with their spiritual faith and scientific studies. So it's one of those movies. Oh, no. It's like a Christian thingy. Oh, cool. Yeah. So that's unrelated, but uh, that's the last. That's the last film he directed. Two thousand ten. He's not done that. Wow. So this might be the last time we see him in the asylum, actually. Wow. Um, which is tragic. We we keep losing all these guys <laughs> who are in these movies, and they just disappear. It's they just, get something better to do, I guess. It's just really weird how he directs especially himself in these movies it's it's just very strange it's like most of the as compared to a normal silent film most of the uh filmmaking decisions in this one actually do make a degree of sense this is the one that baffles me which is like how he treats his own characters in his films because I think in the in the last one, we joked that like he supposedly he, he's he's got a whole like father son dynamic thing, mm-hmm. and he keeps dating women who are like way younger than him. And he and and in the last one especially, he like he's a he's like seems like a failure of a father. Like yeah, he's, he's not like he's not the one who saves his son at the end. Also, probably because he keeps dating women way younger than him in these movies. I we have, we haven't brought that up at all, and I'm gonna bring it up a second time now. That's true. That's um, true. He does. He likes doing that a lot. Um, in this one, it's not as bad. It's not as bad, but who it's knows? Maybe we don't know when they married. To be fair, <laughs> no. But like Karen that looks way closer to his sure, age than sure. the woman from that War of the Worlds movie. Like that was like. Oh no! In fact, I remember we looked up the actor. It was bad. Yeah, no, no, it was bad. It was probably one of our hugest pop-offs, I think. Yeah, I remember. That. I remember. I, fr- I I freaked out when when I when I saw. And you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna be this kind him this time and not take bad. a look. I'm not gonna take a look this time. I'm gonna be nice to him. I but won't be checking it bad. out. Karen, Karen does look a bit closer to his age. So, like th- this one, this one feels. Like I, this one didn't bother me as much. The War of the Worlds one was like egregious. Was was creepy. Um, but yeah, no, and then and then it's just weird. It's just weird. I yeah. Uh, according to IMDb, a revealing mistake here by I don't even know what to call this segment um, because it's it's uh, always. Yeah, there you go. Uh, all of the equipment used by the World War II German U-boat crew, and most notably the small arms, are of American manufacture. Who the? F- <laughs> <laughs> Who gives a shit? They had a bunch of props. I mean, they're not gonna get German props. Are you serious? Come on. These be a little nice to the asylum here. They did have the one prop of like that German pistol with the extremely thin barrel. They did mm-hmm. have that. That like I have no idea what that gun is called, but like, but it's the it's the gun. It's the one with the with the really super thin barrel. Uh, they did have one of those. So. One of the German crewmen by himself carries a drum of either crude oil or diesel fuel. Depending on the exact contents and barrel type, this would weigh a minimum of over 300 pounds and possibly that, over 400 pounds. That is a funny thing. He just he just easily picks it up and props it over his shoulder. And I did look. Uh, he's like that. he's like a you know he he ate a builder. He well, that or he ate like spinach earlier. We don't we don't see him eat spinach, but he could have. It's definitely possible. Yeah. 
I mean, you know, Popeye was like the most popular cartoon of this time period. So, you know, it yeah, it's a lot it's of super people. likely. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I guess, is that it? We're done talking about this movie. I can't think of anything else. I mean, yeah, right it's, on. It's, it's there's not a lot to it. And I mean, I think the. I think that's why we don't have a lot to say about it because it's, yeah, this is a this is a blessedly short podcast this time. It's not as incompetent <laughs> a film as we're accustomed to, but that also means there's not as much to talk about. We also skipped over a lot. I feel like too, we just kind of brushed through a lot of. Stuff. To be fair, a lot of it's pretty filler a in terms of filler. things okay. we're talking about, right? Where it's like you know, I don't really need to go into detail about every single little yeah, passive yeah. conversation they have. Yeah, about whatever dumb shit they're dealing with. I did like the. I, I forgot one thing. I do want to mention is that line where this is when uh, this is before they meet the Germans, where they find out that. Dude is from Flight 19. Other dude is from Other Bermuda Triangle Disappearance, and the and the captain goes like, "We fuck shit Bermuda." <laughs> no, well, he, he he goes like like he's explaining like it's the Devil's Triangle, like the Bermuda, and, and they're like, "Didn't they disprove the Bermuda Triangle? It's supposed to be like methane or something?" And the captain goes, "Dude, there's freaking dinosaurs <laughs> here." Which is a nice quote as well. It's so good. It's he he says it and, and, and he he says it just in the most sort of like like odd, but then also calm voice. Dude, again, I don't, I don't. Freaking dinosaur. I, his acting style is so strange in this movie, and it's hard to describe. I really had to throw clips in this whole fucking experience to understand what we're talking about here. His his range is very bizarre. It's it's yeah, like it's it's it always feels off from where it should be. <laughs> right. Uh so what's what's the next movie? Let's see here. All right. Ooh. <laughs> I don't like that. Uh I I I've now decided that this is the last episode of this podcast. Okay, cool. Uh, we're done here. We're not gonna. It's a good run. It was great. Um, because I do not want to watch Sex Pot. I've decided. Oh. Um, we're. I don't want to watch that movie. So <laughs> I think. What's the one after that? The Haunting of Winchester House. Okay, that's. So that sounds a lot of fun. A pair of losers that's discover a, a stash of weed. <laughs> Winchester, the Winchester House. That's a real thing. So yeah, did, yeah, yeah. So they did the. Okay, so they did a movie on it. That's getting fun. high and meeting chicks is all in the bag. This yeah. is apparently uncut, unrated, under the influence. Yeah, I'm not really um, interested in their American Pie ripoffs. Thanks. Um. <laughs> uh, this this movie seems the this the title here seems the most rapey shit ever. A uh, pair of losers discover a stash weed with uh, uh, aphrodisiac powers. Um, so that um, I so I don't know. I think I think we might pass on this one. I don't know. So it sounds like they're kind of trying to do a dumb and dumber thing, but like, but way more explicit. Now we did. Now we did watch what eighteen year old virgin or whatever, right? And we just spent like ten minutes talking about that movie. So we yep. do the same we, thing we, this time. It's like we do not want to talk about this movie. Actually, skip. I feel like skipping a movie is against the spirit of this shitty podcast. So I feel <laughs> like we do have. To. But I would also like to stay sane. <laughs> That's so. very fair. Maybe we can like passively watch it while high. Wouldn't that be really funny? Like a funny joke. 
Like, what if we did it while we were, like, fucking blazed out, dude? You know, like, fucking, like, fucking eating weed brownies, bro? Like, dude. Here's the problem, though. When I get high, I tend to spend more attention. Oh, no, that's really bad. I think you'd actually, <laughs> you'd probably get some, like, just, you'd probably, I don't know, that, that'd that probably be really bad for your mental health in that sense. It would probably right? be better if I got drunk instead. I think it'd be best if you didn't watch the movie. That would be the best thing, but... We will, we will, John and I will discuss this uh, <laughs> behind the scenes. We're not to watch the movie. Discussion. We're not watching it. We're going to go straight to that haunting of the Winchester House one, because that sounds delightful. Yeah, it's been a while since we saw a, a spooky haunted movie on the asylum. I think the last time was like six six six, the dude man or whatever. The dude man, the six man. <laughs> a family moves into the mansion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A family moves into the into the mansion to act as caretakers, but when a malevolent force abducts their daughter, they discover why the house deserves its reputation as one of the most haunted places in America. Did I they love, actually film yeah. this place? I, in the Winchester house? They might have, because it probably isn't that hard to get a film permit. But that I could be fun. Idea, I love the idea that, because it's right in the middle of San Jose, I love the idea that someone needs to move in as a caretaker. It's not The Shining. It's not, like, <laughs> it's, yeah, it's not way up on a mountain. It's right there in the middle of San Jose. So I love the idea that you have to actually have someone live there as a caretaker. But also, if the idea cracks me up, and I know they're going to treat it like it's like a real abandoned you know mansion that's like way like you know probably in the middle of nowhere or something and like it's and, and no one knows about it but i love the idea that you would move a family into like one of the most popular tourist attractions in in a city that like it's like oh yeah you're gonna be the caretaker here <laughs> Like maybe it's like a spooky ghost. Like maybe the person, like the person who they're the job. Maybe like the you know, like the Shining. Maybe they're all ghosts and they're all like being hired also by ghosts. Always, it feels more like like (laughs) someone lost a bet. Mm -hmm. It's like haha, you have to you you have to live in the in the spooky house for a week. (laughs) All right, so come back next week for a haunting of sex pot. I'll say next week. Come back next week where we will, where we won't be here, but come back next week anyway and kind of wait for us on the curb. We'll we'll open the door when we feel like it. We'll let you inside, but we do expect you to be here next week waiting for us because, you know, I don't hear, but you, we won't won't be here, but you guys better be here because why are we even doing this podcast? You're not coming back each week to wait for us to do a podcast. So come back next week where we'll watch haunting of sex pot house. Getting high and meeting chicks is the terrifying true story. The sex scene of a win pot's house. <laughs> All right, goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. Please come back next week. Application.